Let's start off this show with the congratulations. You know, shout out to my boy Joey who had the stones on Monday night showdown with the Jacoby Myers double birthday favorite team captain narrative play. You know, Joey, a notorious Patriots fan, had the Patriots game on his birthday on Monday. Jacoby Myers' birthday on the same night. It was written in the stars, obvious captain play. So, you know, congratulations <laughs> to you, Joey. And, you know, how are you going to spend your millions of dollars? I'm assuming you banked everything. Well, you know what they say? You never assume anything in life. <laughs> <laughs> because I definitely did not bank a million. If I did bank one million, we wouldn't be recording in trash-ass Rochester right now. We'd be in Bora Bora mm. by the water in the huts recording this episode of the podcast. So definitely did not win one million dollars, but the narrative, the birthday narrative with Jacoby Myers and myself, I mean, that was a stone lock. He ended up going for 12 catches, 169 yards, 47 points in the captain. Absolutely snapped, but the rest of my lineup was god-awful. So did not win a million did not even come close, and it's just a uh, tough scene. Very tough scene over here. Not enough Joe Flacco for you, huh? Uh, nope, nope. Not enough Joe Flacco. <laughs> not enough Nick Folk. Gotta love it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 105 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to preview the week 10 NFL main slate on DraftKings. We'll start off by looking through the Vegas lines. We'll talk some chalk, give our thoughts on optimal cash game lineup construction, discuss our preferred tournament picks, Stacks, leverage, long shots, all of that good stuff. And of course, we'll close out the show with our best bets of the week. But before we get into any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how to support the podcast? You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out all links to all of our content that we may post throughout the week. Make sure you are subscribed or followed to the DFS Dose podcast on whatever podcast platform site that you use. So if you use Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a lot. So make sure you do that. And then at the DFS Dose on YouTube and go subscribe over there. We have 114 subscribers right now. So it's going up every single day. Uh, I know like two podcasts ago, we were under 100. So Solid growth over there in the YouTube street, so make sure you are subscribed to us. I just released my video yesterday on the Millie Maker. Ben's cash pool video will be out tomorrow. And then, Ben, mm. I, I, I think we have an announcement to make. You want to you wanna announce it to all of the listeners out there? Yes, yes. Every week at this part of the podcast, at this junction, Joey tells people how they can support us. Well, now we're going to be unveiling a way that we can support you. The DFS Dose is officially opening our private Discord channel up to the public for free. Yes, you heard that correctly. Free access to the DFS Dose Discord channel. Private messages, you know, available. Send it to Joey and myself. Hit us up. Interact with us. Anything on DFS Life, we are going to be in that channel constantly. We get the notifications to our phone. 
So just join up, get in there. And, you know, this was originally going to be a premium chat. It still may be one day, but what we've decided to do is, you know, at least finish out the 2020 NFL season, maybe beyond with a free channel. So, you know, join the invitation link to the Discord channel will be in the show notes to this podcast and every podcast for the foreseeable future. It'll be in the description of every YouTube video that we post from here on out. So, you know, don't waste any time. Get in there, join, and... In addition to being able to ask Joey and I questions about DFS, about life on a daily and weekly basis, you're also going to get exclusive access to a new piece of weekly content that I will be debuting this Sunday, my SMSTFM play of the week. Yes, SMSTFM Sunday morning sale to the money play of the week. Three lock and load guaranteed to hit tournament winning plays that will be crucial in both yours and my journey to sale to the money. Be on the lookout for that. Get in the Discord. Don't miss out. Yeah, I mean, you heard the man. Get get in the Discord. You don't want to miss out on all of the conversations that we have. And we're literally on there all day, every day, mm-hmm. talking about football, talking about, well, not really talking, mainly arguing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so it, it's a pretty fun time, but we usually end up just discussing who we're on this week and who are the best plays. And, you know, we might convince one another to make the right play. Yes, yes, absolutely. So get in there. Link in the show notes. Now, Joey, we've wasted enough time. Let's get into some slate specifics, see what Vegas is telling us in week 10. This is an 11 game main slate. And for the first time and probably only time this year, there are more late games than early games. Five early games, six games in the afternoon. So it's going to be an intense week of sweating. Going to have a lot of PMR coming in at 4 p.m. And there are six games with totals above 50. Going to be a high scoring week. Three games with totals above 53. The top five implied team totals on the slate as it stands right now. Green Bay, 33. New Orleans, 29.75. Arizona, 29. The Rams at 28.75. And finally, the Raiders at 28.25 what stands out to you on this slate yeah so the amount of high totaled games definitely stands out this week to me and we have some great games uh, on tap for week 10 i think this will be another high scoring week in terms of dfs just like we saw last week and there are so many good stacks and mispriced players for this slate this could be one of the chalkiest weeks that we will see all season Honestly, I'm going to just say it. This is a week where if you're a good DFS player, you'll know who to play. Mm. And the lineup construction essentially builds itself this week. So if you're not on the construction, you may want to reevaluate your process because you might be a stone donkey. Mm. Yes, yes. And we will get right into the chalk of the week because it's go- it's going to dominate the conversation. There's going to be some of the highest owned plays we've seen all season. And let's start off with one in Mike Davis. So if you've been playing on DraftKings for years, you've probably noticed that they made two major changes to their pricing algorithm in 2020. The first was that they raised the min price of running backs to 4000 You know, it's been that way all year. It, it didn't always used to be like this. You used to be able to find plenty of running backs sub 4K on DraftKings. No longer min price is now 4K. The other change that they made this year compared to others is that they've consistently priced up the backup running backs to try and get ahead of unknown injury situations. You know, they've done it all year, the Alexander Madison week when he was 7,200 before Dalvin Cook had been ruled out. You know, they were, you know, essentially trying to avoid the situation that we have right now. I mean, this week, they just completely threw that to the wind and there's a ton of stone value at the running back position, mainly at 4K flat min price, Mike Davis, 
who I'm expecting to be the highest owned player on the DraftKings main slate that we've seen all year. Christian McCaffrey has essentially been ruled out this game. Adam Schefter said that he is doubtful to play. So Mike Davis will get the full workload in the Carolina backfield. He is a cash game lock at 4K, no question. But Joey, my question to you is in tournaments, is there any merit to fading Mike Davis or is the projection just too good? Is he a legit free square? <sighs> yeah, man. I mean, it's it's definitely tough, I think, to fade him in tournaments as he is a 4K running back that is going to be the starting running back for the Panthers with CMC out. He is going to see work in the past game. I mean, he had five catches in last week's game, even with CMC playing roughly about 70% of the snaps. So we know what we're getting with Mike Davis and... Ah, man. I I think there's merit to fading any player that is going to be 50 plus percent owned in tournaments. Just from a tournament construction standpoint, I think fading the chalk will be more beneficial plus EV in the long run rather than playing the chalk in tournaments. But this week, it's so hard to not play Mike Davis in every single lineup. I mean, 4K for Mike Davis is just the ultimate egregious misprice that we've seen all season. It's just that simple. Yeah. I mean, it's it's bad. And I honestly don't understand what DraftKings was thinking because they've done a good job of avoiding the situation all year. I think it's generally improved the product because, you know, in the past you would have these weeks where there'd be like a 3K running back and it's just a lock. And the less differentiation mm-hmm. between lineups, the less of an edge you have if you're actually a good player. So I think that, you know, we like to have weeks where there's not obvious must play free locks. Mike Davis is for sure a cash game lock. You know, sometimes we use the word lock casually. No, Mike Davis is a lock. He should be the first player you plug in. You don't consider going anywhere else in cash. But in tournaments, I completely agree with you. There is merit to fading any player when their ownership gets as high as what Mike Davis's will be. I mean, this is going to be like the type of ownership you see on like a Thanksgiving slate where you know, a player's like 70% owned in tournaments. I, I legitimately believe mm-hmm. Mike Davis will be in that range this week. And I think you can get off of him, especially when you think about it, like in terms of wide receivers, there are going to be wide receivers in that price range, you know, within $500 of him that have similar ceilings. And so if Mike Davis doesn't hit his ceiling, if he doesn't score a touchdown, there are definitely players that can outscore him in a point per dollar sense. Now, if Mike Davis scores a touchdown and he gets his five to six catches at 4K, It might be impossible not to have him in the winning lineup. So I would definitely not recommend a full fade, but I think that you can get away from him in certain builds, but it's a tough fade no matter how you slice it up. He He's an amazing play, the best play on the slate. Yeah, definitely a tough fade and something that you're probably going to have to stomach this week, especially uh, in single entries and three maxes. In single entries, I don't know if I would fade him. I think I'd be more open to fading him in large field tournaments where you kind of need, you know, more variance and just hopefully uh, things don't break his way. I don't think I would fade him in single entries or three maxes, Uh, maybe fade him in one out of the three. But other than that, I think he is pretty much a stone lock this week. And it's just going to be hard to fade a, a player that is just as mispriced as Mike Davis is. Yes. And there's another player that I think is significantly mispriced as well, or at least has the potential to be, and that's Duke Johnson with David Johnson's status, you know, quote, up in the air. And I think that he is a long shot to play. Didn't practice on Wednesday. From what I read, he has not really progressed very far into the 
concussion protocol. So it seems dicey that David Johnson is going to make it back in time. Duke Johnson is 5K flat coming off of a career high 16 rush attempts. And, you know, you combine that with his usual role in the receiving game at 5K. Duke Johnson looks like a phenomenal value this week. Yeah, Duke Johnson is another player that is going to be very popular in cash games. And I think he is a solid play going up against a Cleveland defense that has been beatable in terms of opposing running backs points per game against them. So Duke Johnson is a player that I think we can confidently plug into our cash lineups if David Johnson misses this game, which I would project for him to miss right now. And like you mentioned, he does have some uh, catch upside with four catches in this past matchup, five catches against Green Bay in week seven. So I think Duke Johnson at 5,000 is also a lock in your cash lineups, especially if you want to pay up to some of the more expensive wide receivers, which we will get into later. Yeah, we will. And, you know, this running back pool this week, it's nice that we have the value because if we didn't have the value, it might be hard to find the right running backs to play. Kareem Hunt is a guy who stands out and I think could potentially have massive ownership, but it's trending in a direction where it looks like Nick Chubb will return. There's no Derrick Henry on the slate. There's no Dalvin Cook on this slate. Christian McCaffrey off the slate as well due to injury. There's only two running backs left priced 7K or above. And Alvin Kamara, I think, you know, is always in play. He's 8,200 this week, but he's in a difficult matchup coming off of a week where he saw the second fewest targets he's seen all year. I don't think that's a coincidence happening the week that Michael Thomas finally returned to action. So I'm not expecting Kamara to be chalk. And I think that it really just leaves Aaron Jones as the expensive payup running back that's going to draw a ton of ownership in a favorable matchup at 7,100. Yeah, Aaron Jones is a phenomenal play this week, in my opinion. He returned in week nine against the Niners and came back with 20 touches, only had 12 points, so a pretty mediocre day in terms of results, but the touches are encouraging, and with the Packers at home against Jacksonville, Jacksonville ranks bottom six in terms of fantasy points per game allowed to opposing running backs, and they are bottom seven in terms of rushing yards allowed to opposing running backs on the season, so this is a great spot for Aaron Jones and it's just for me Aaron Jones I think is an elite running back so you're getting elite upside with Aaron Jones and you're getting elite touchdown upside in one of the better offenses in the NFL in a game where they should dominate the Jacksonville Jaguars so Aaron Jones looks to be my favorite pay up running back this week to pair with Mike Davis and Duke Johnson but if Nick Chubb is out. I think Cream Hunt is very in play in a better matchup at home against the Texans, but those two are definitely would be a tier above the rest for me, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for all the reasons you said about the matchup. The Packers have the highest implied team total on the slate, and they're like Mm 14-point favorites. So everything is really lining up well for Aaron Jones, although Jamal Williams will almost certainly be off the COVID list if he's not already and could potentially, you know, see his usual 35 to 40% of snaps, but still Aaron Jones in limited work came back to 20 touches. So I think that Mm-hmm. You know, he'll project really well this week in this spot. There's another Packer that I think will be extremely popular. And as we've already established, there is strong value at running back. I mean, you can essentially, if David Johnson is out, plug two of your running back spots up with $9,000 of your salary. 
So there's, there are going to be ways to pay up. And that'll be one of the biggest decision points on the slate is how do you choose to pay up? And I think a lot of people are going to answer that question with Devontae Adams. People are going to look at Devontae Adams, see that he's had 10 plus targets in every game that he's played in full. They'll see that he scored 30 DraftKings points or more in three straight weeks. They'll see the Packers have the highest implied team total on the slate. They'll see a plus matchup against Jacksonville and they'll lock Devontae Adams in at 9,000. So You know, we talk every single week on this podcast about fading expensive, chalky wide receivers, especially in cash games due to the increased volatility at the position. We saw this play out just last week with Tyler Lockett. Everything set up really well for him. Quote unquote, alleged slot funnel, you know, Mm -hmm. great game, positive matchup, good price, 6,800, and he's still busted because that can happen with wide receivers. However, I'm not sure that Devontae Adams qualifies as a volatile player. How are you planning to handle him this week? I don't think I am playing Devontae Adams. I mean, that's tough to say right now because we'll get into it in the in the lineup construction for cash. But I think playing three mid-range wide receivers who have great target shares is more optimal in my opinion rather than playing a 9K wide receiver. But Devontae Adams is not a volatile player at all. I mean, like you said, 10 plus targets in every game that he's been healthy. He leads the NFL in average targets. He has a 29% team target share in all games that he's healthy 29% or more I should say so I mean Devontae Adams like we don't really have to talk about it he's one of if not the best wide receiver in the NFL he gets fed Aaron Rodgers literally looks to target this man on every single passing play that the Packers run it's literally incredible and we know he has immense touchdown upside so if you want to play him I don't blame you I just don't think I will go there this week personally but he is a phenomenal play every week that's my take on it I think I'm on the other side of this one. I mean, I want to find a way to get up to Devontae Adams, and it's really just a matter of conceding one of the wide receiver spots to somebody outside of the 6K range if you want to do that. And I think that there are options that make that make sense. And to me, there's a definitive difference between Devontae Adams and the other wide receivers. Yes, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, all these guys have great target shares. Uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, whoever you want to put in that range as your alternate options. But Devontae Adams' touchdown upside, you touched on it. I think it's unlike any of these other guys, even if the targets are similar. Devontae Adams leads the NFL in red zone targets. He leads the NFL in red zone completions, and he missed numerous games. And the other part to the Devontae Adams play that I think is important is with so much value at the running back position and with so much chalk, that we're going to see in cash games, especially this week. I think that this is one of the weeks where unless the chalk busts, you can expect to see higher point totals. This isn't going to be a week where the cash line is like 130 because Mm -hmm. we have locked in running backs with full workloads 5k and below. So this is going to be a high scoring week. And even though you can make the argument that some of those guys in the mid range are better point per dollar plays, I mean, just locking in roughly 30 points at Devontae Adams, even if it's not a great value, I think makes a lot of sense from a raw points perspective on a slate that I think you're going to need those points. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point. I mean, if you can lock in 30 points into your cash lineup, you would probably do that nine times out of 10. It's just if you go the Keenan Allen or Cooper Cup route and they get 11, 12, 13 targets even. And I mean, we've seen Cooper Cup and Keenan Allen get into the 19, 20 target range. I think that is more valuable at 7,100 rather than paying up to 9,000. But like I said, Devontae Adams, great player. I literally won't blame anybody for paying up to him. I think he's a phenomenal play. Mm. 
it's fair. It's it's really the red zone usage that I think sets Adams apart, and especially if you put it into like a per game basis, those numbers would look even crazier. But I mean, you've, you've mm-hmm. referenced it several times, and I think that it'll be a place that a lot of people go in cash this week, and it's the Rams wide receivers. And this is a spot that we essentially have to target this week. The Seahawks defense is on pace to be the worst defense against the pass in NFL history. They're giving up nearly 13 more points to wide receivers in fantasy than the next closest team on a weekly basis. And this isn't like a sneaky play. You know, everybody knows this. Cooper Cup at 6,900, Robert Woods at 6,600, and even Josh Reynolds at 3,500, I think, are all going to be some of the highest projecting players on a points per dollar sense in terms of their value projections. I think they'll all have ownerships. Cup will probably be the highest owned and you know, how are you going to be sorting through these guys this week? Because I think that it's it's tough to it's tough to do. Cooper Cup one for me is easily my favorite Rams wide receiver, and then Robert Woods, and then Josh Reynolds. I think Cooper Cup has the higher ceiling out of these three players, and I think he has a higher chance of seeing more targets as Jared Goff's preferred wide receiver when the Rams are losing. And then obviously Robert Woods at 6,600 is a great play. And you know, his ceiling I think is as high as Cooper Cups. He has 30 plus point potential and his floor is pretty safe. He has a 19% target share on the season. So you know, you're going to get targets out of those two guys. And then if you want to go the Devonte Adams route, you're probably going to go the Josh Reynolds route to get Adams in there. And at 3,500, I think Reynolds is a fine play with seeing you know eight to nine targets over the last two or three games and like you mentioned just a great spot for the Seahawks you said they're giving up 13 more fantasy points to opposing wide receivers uh, to the next closest team well to put that into perspective the Seahawks are giving up 59.81 points per game on DraftKings to opposing wide receivers the Titans are in second giving up 46 so giving up almost 60 fantasy points per game is literally incredible and you just want to target the rams that it's that simple target golf target woods target cup yeah absolutely and and i agree with your original ranking of cup woods reynolds in terms of raw points but i i think that reynolds has a shot to be the best value the best point per dollar play because he comes at such a discount over mm-hmm. three thousand cheaper than robert woods and, and reynolds has had a really consistent role in this offense. I think people were kind of skeptical of him because in the past when Brandon Cooks was there, he used to sort of just be an exclusive backup to, you know, if any of the three guys went out, they'd plug Reynolds in and then they drafted Van Jefferson in the second round. So people sort of assumed it was over for Reynolds, but he has really maintained his role as the, you know, third wide receiver in the Rams offense. He's played 72% of snaps or more in four straight games, 17 targets over the last two weeks. And at 3,500, if this were any other week, week where we were on, you know, the quote unquote normal build where we're paying up for running back and looking for value at wide receiver. I think Josh Reynolds would be a lock in all formats. So it's a different type of roster construction week, which may suppress his ownership, what his ownership would be in a given week. But I mean, Josh Reynolds is going to be one of my favorite plays, especially if you get, you know, an ownership discount on him as leverage off of the other two in tournaments. You're definitely right about that. And I think Josh Reynolds is a, is a solid wide receiver. I mean, he he's perfect for that Rams wide receiver three role. And if he comes in at 20% or less in terms of ownership, I, I think he is a phenomenal play this week. And, you know, you're still getting exposure to that great game environment with him, if, especially if you fade Goff 
and fade one of Cup or Woods. So I, I think he is a great play at 3,500. And like you said, he would be probably the highest owned wide receiver if this were any other slate. Are there any other wide receivers that you think will command enough ownership to be considered chalk in week 10? Uh, No, I don't believe so. I think we covered just about all of the chalk wide receivers. I think we could see some ownership to a couple of the guys in the mid-range, specifically DJ Moore at 5,100. I think the DFS community will be on that. I think that is a clear misprice for one of the more talented wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, the targets haven't been there recently with games of three, six, and five over the last three, but Moore has a lot of upside in that Panthers offense, and the Bucks defense has gotten exposed in recent weeks, so that is probably the one wide receiver that I think will have some ownership this week, but other than that, I, I think it's going to center around the Rams wide receivers. Uh, probably one of the Seahawks wide receivers and Devontae Adams. Yep, that sounds about right to me as well. At this point, I don't think that there is a clear-cut chalk tight end. Maybe Evan Ingram will become that. He probably should be, to be honest, but we can talk through that as we get into our next segment and talk about cash game lineup construction, where we'll be going at tight end. In terms of the quarterback position, and this is why we're going to transition, because I think that the chalkiest quarterback falls directly into the cash game lineup construction question, because you're going to need to answer this question, and it's how much of a priority is Kyler Murray for you this week? He's going to be extremely popular. He is fantasy football's number one player right now. I'm expecting him to be the highest owned quarterback in week 10 by a decent margin. He is the second coming of 2019 Lamar Jackson for fantasy purposes. In fact, he's even better. He's expensive, 8K, but we have the salary to get there this week. We have the salary to do whatever we want this <laughs> week. The question is, is it the right move to pay $8,000 for quarterback and get up to Kyler Murray in cash games? I think the answer to that question is yes. Mm -hmm. I think Kyler Murray has shown that his floor and his ceiling is probably the highest out of any player in the NFL in 2020 just due to his immense rushing upside. And I know you had a, a nice statistic where he's gaining, what, 12 points on the ground, you know, on a per game basis or, or, or whatever. Yeah, through eight, games, through eight games this year, Kyler is averaging 9.5 attempts per game. 67.8 yards per game and a full touchdown per game on the ground alone. So essentially, Kyler Murray is producing 12.7 fantasy points per game exclusively through his rushing. That's not even counting his passing stats. 12.7 fantasy points is basically two receiving touchdowns for a skill player or three passing touchdowns for another quarterback. It's just absolutely unbelievable what Kyler Murray is doing on the ground this year. So you say that. How do we not play him? Right? Like, you just sold me. Yeah. 100%. Like, you can't not play Kyler Murray this week. And 8K, I think, is just too cheap for a player of that caliber. Like you said, he is the 2019 Lamar Jackson, if not better. I mean, his floor on DraftKings is 24 points, which would be exactly 3Xing his salary, which is kind of the baseline that you want to aim for in cash games. Maybe you know, three and a half, four X in 2020. But if he three X's his salary at 8K and scores you 24, 25 points as a floor, you'll take that all day, every day. And then if we take into account his 40 point ceiling, which he's hit multiple times this year, God, 
this dude is one of the best plays on the board this week and i and i think it's right to play him in cash especially since week 10 is a pick 'em. it's literally yeah. pick whoever you want play whoever you want you don't really have to worry about salary if you are on the right plays if you're not like i said in the intro you're a donkey and probably shouldn't be playing dfs <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I don't see how you get off of Kyler this week. If we were pressed for salary, maybe you could make the argument that it's right to pay down because there are some solid options. I mean, you know, 6,900 isn't paying down, but Deshaun Watson at 6,900 is a player with a ceiling comparable to somebody like Kyler Murray. So I like Deshaun Watson. I think he profiles as a good cash play. I like Justin Herbert as well at 6,600 against Miami. You know, Josh Allen, 75, Russell Wilson, 77. Like, these are all great plays. But, you know, if I'm paying 7,500 plus at quarterback, I'm looking at Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. No, just give me Kyler Murray. You know, it's that easy Mm -hmm. for me, especially it's not like he's going to be in a bad game. He's in the best game of the week. 56 total in Vegas for this game against the Bills at home. This game is going to be a stone shootout. Sometimes it's just easy to tell. Just like we all knew last week it was going to be Buffalo and Seattle. Sale to the money. Same thing this week. And Kyler Murray at 8K, I think, is is the move in cash games. Now, I will mention that in cash games, if you want to go Josh Allen or Deshaun Watson or even Jared Goff, for that matter, and, you know, save the 1500 save the 1100 off Kyler Murray, I don't hate it. I, I really don't. If you if you want to go that route and use that salary to get another elite wide receiver or pay up from Duke Johnson if you're not comfortable uh, playing him and, and maybe play Kareem Hunt and Aaron Jones and, and play Mike Davis, I, I'm fine with that if it allows you to do that paying you know down to one of Goff, Watson, Allen, etc. But like you said, Kyler Murray is the guy for us this week, and I think he is the best quarterback play on the board. At the running back position in cash games, are you looking anywhere outside of the trio of Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, and Aaron Jones? I know that you've mentioned Kareem Hunt quite a few times, and I definitely think he's viable if Nick Chubb is out, but I'd rather just treat it like Nick Chubb is going to be in because I think that that's the more likely outcome. Obviously, if Chubb misses, that changes things, and I think that Hunt is right there as well. But outside of those four plays, is there any other cash viable running backs that are catching your eye on this slate? Yeah, uh, outside of those four guys, I don't think there is really anybody I would consider unless Kenyon Drake is out. So, I mean, this week, there's a lot of injuries to to watch as the week progresses. But Chase Edmonds at 6,300, I think would be in cash consideration if Kenyon Drake is out. I mean, we know his role in the Cardinals offense. If Kenyon Drake is out, he is the workhorse running back. So I would consider him. But other than that, I don't think there is many running backs I would consider for cash games specifically. And then when we talk about tournaments, I have quite a few tournament running backs that I do like this week though. Yeah. The only player that I feel like I need to mention here is maybe JD McKissick if Antonio Gibson misses because Antonio Gibson did miss practice on Wednesday with a new injury, a shoulder injury. And you know, we saw JD McKissick have 14 targets last week. He's 4,900, could arguably have a similar touch projection to Duke Johnson. I mean, it'll be a lower team total with Washington, but the Lions are the stone worst run defense in the NFL. And, you know, McKissick's target share is just unreal. Alex Smith will likely be starting for Washington this week, and he loves to dump off to his running backs. I think McKissick could make some sense at 4,900, but that's only if Gibson is out. Yeah, I mean... 
They're, the Washington running backs are in the nut spot, like you mentioned. The Lions are giving up 35 points per game on DraftKings to opposing running backs, which is it's just so trash. But I don't think I would consider McKissick with Duke Johnson there. But, you know, if you want if you want to play him, go for it. And nah, it's a no for me, dog. Mm. Duke Johnson, I'd rather play him for 100 more. I just think he is an all-around better football player. And then obviously we're already locking in Mike Davis at 4K. So don't really see the need to play Antonio Gibson or J.D. McKissick in cash games this week. I, I just don't see a need personally. Okay. Now, I'm going to get real here for a second, Joey. I need you to tell mm. me if I'm bugging out because... You know, I'm looking at this slate. I'm figuring out what to do. And I do think that there is a pretty obvious cash game construction, the one that you have referenced, the one that all sharp DFS players will be on. Maybe this makes me a fake sharp because I'm trying to (laughs) think of other ways to get off of it. But I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that there is a possibility that this is actually the first viable week of the season where we could consider a four wide receiver build in cash games. I know that, you know, here and there, I've heard people suggest at various times in 2020 that, you know, maybe you play four wide receivers in cash. No, no, no. I don't think it has been viable at any point this year. It's almost always a fish move, but this is a unique slate with a lot of running back value. Not many running backs that I think are worth paying up for. And I think that there is a path to jamming 45 plus targets into your lineup with four wide receivers in the mid range. Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, you know, Devontae Adams could be one of your four. I think that some of the highest floor plays on this slate, especially if we lose Kareem Hunt as a cash viable running back, are you know equal in terms of floor ceiling combinations to the running backs. Four wide receivers. Is it possible this week? You know, I, I think it is possible, especially if Kareem Hunt is not cash viable. I think Aaron Jones is shaky, while I think I would prefer Aaron Jones just because it's guaranteed touches. And like you said, chalky wide receivers bust at a higher rate than pretty much any other position on DraftKings. The floor and ceiling combo with a guy like Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, etc. I think it's pretty comparable to Aaron Jones. So if you want to go that route, I think it is viable. You are not bugging to answer your question. You mm. you are valid. I like to hear that. And outside of cash game lineup constructions, if that's if that's a viable construction and won't be one that a lot of people are on, I think that tells you a good direction to go in tournaments. I'll just say mm-hmm. that for sure. Now, if you're trying to find some value at wide receiver in cash games, where are you looking? You mentioned DJ Moore. I think Devontae Parker is interesting at 5K. Jalen Rieger at 4,200 stands out to me. KJ Hamler and Josh Reynolds under 4K. What's your lean in terms of trying to find some value at wide receiver if you need it? Yeah, I think Josh Reynolds is the is the number one clear-cut value wide receiver, and we already talked about him, so I'm not going to elaborate on that. I think if you want, you can play DJ Moore at 5,100. I think he's a value this week. I also like Rashad Higgins in a bounce-back spot against the Texans. Should see elevated targets. Everybody was on him a couple weeks ago, but got off of him last week, and I think he will get get lost in the shuffle and at 4600 I would consider him and then if you really need it I think Jalen Rieger at 4200 you could plug him in but 
like I said, Josh Reynolds is the number one value. So you might as well just take the $700 discount from, from Rieger to Reynolds and, and just play Reynolds. So yeah. those are, those are some other wide receivers that I would consider. And I wish I could say Darius Slayton, who's 4,800 criminally underpriced for his ceiling, but I think we'll talk about him in, in the tournament section for sure. Oh, will we? Okay. <laughs> that, that's a good tease. Real quick, trend or trap. I know this is usually something we do on, on our Monday show, but you know, Travis Fulgham is a guy who was, you know, getting 10 plus targets after he emerged in week five, 13 targets, 10 targets, 11 targets in weeks five through seven. Jalen Rieger comes back in week eight prior to the Eagles by last week. And, you know, Fulgham sees under 10 targets for the first time since his emergence, seven targets. Uh, Jalen Rieger had six targets. Do you think that it is a trend or a trap that Fulgham, you know, his run is over or will he be able to, you know, sustain because at 6,400, I think he's interesting if you're going to project him for 10 plus, if you're projecting him for seven, I don't think you can go there. Yeah, I think Travis Fulgham is a tournament only play. And I know I dog this man <laughs> earlier <laughs> in the season, uh, specifically a game, the game against Pittsburgh, where I said he was, he was never going to do it again. Kind of proved me wrong on that. Maybe, maybe not. Hasn't gotten over a hundred yards since, but he scored a touchdown in every game that he's played in, but one five plus catches in every game that he started right so i i think if you want to go there i wouldn't hate it and i think it's a trap i think fulgham is the guy there um i I think he's the number one wide receiver he's looked the best out of basically every eagles offensive player uh this season in 2020 so he should be the number one guy in philadelphia and you know if you didn't watch my video shame on you but the Eagles stack was one of the stacks that i highlighted and i kind of went in depth on fulgham so if you want you can go peep that video on the dfs dose youtube channel but i like him a lot in tournaments this week glad to hear that i like fulgham as well and i think that people will look at you know the declining target share after rieger came back and and not want to play him and I I do want to play him especially considering I'm uh, you know he'll probably have little to no ownership in that range of Mm -hmm. players for tournaments definitely not cash viable though what is the vibe at tight end this week in you know cash games I mean what's the vibe every week (laughs) pay down pay down baby Um, we don't pay up for tight ends that's no shot i don't think i've played a tight end in cash that was 4100 or more or 4200 or more (laughs) excuse me because i played hayden hurst who was 4100 last week i don't think i've paid above 4100 no cat like i'm not paying a premium price for a tight end no shot so if we just want to talk about some quick tight ends that are cash viable this week, I think if we want to look at the high end. I think Austin Hooper is in play, who should be back from his uh well what his appendix removal surgery, whatever that's called. Appendectomy. <laughs> yeah, for, forgot the name. <laughs> I think I think Austin Hooper is in play at thirty nine hundred. Uh, should see a solid target share coming back. And he started to get more involved in the Browns offense before his surgery. But I think it'll be hard to keep Harrison Bryant off the field because Bryant has been a good player for the Browns and he did win the Mackey Award last year in college. So he is a great tight end. I think if we go lower, 
I think the, the player who is going to gain the most buzz this week and should have ownership is Jacob Hollister at 2,600. Saw seven targets last week. If you don't know who Jacob Hollister is, he is on the depth chart, the Seahawks tight end three, but I think the Seahawks are making a conscious effort to make him the tight end one as Will Dusley and Greg Olson are just two washed up scrubs at tight end. And Hollister is, you know, the young kid in town who can actually run and has some yak ability. So I think Hollister at 2600 is probably the tight end that I'm going to play this week in, you know, the best game environment on the board. Yeah, I like Hollister. I like the game environment. I like the price, 2600 He did only play on 48% of snaps. They're still getting Disley and Olsen involved. But like you said, he may be third on the tight end depth chart, but I think he's number one on the talent depth chart of their tight end room. <laughs> so yeah, Hollister could definitely begin emerging if he's able to continue seven targets, five for 60 last week, gets a, a high scoring game against the Rams here. So I do like Hollister. I think for 100 cheaper, if you want to just stone punt to the men, Nick Vanette might be in play this week as the Broncos tight end with Noah Fant questionable. Albert O and Jake Butt both out. Uh, Vanette could be a you know full-time 100% snap player this week at the min price against the Raiders. So that's another punt option. And I'm, I'm all for what Joey's saying about, you know, always punt at tight end, always pay down at tight end. I, that's the winning way to play. My threshold, I think, is a little bit higher. Like, for example, 4,500 is not too expensive for me. And I think Evan Ingram, who gets the nut matchup against Philly this week, is definitely in play. We now have three straight games of Evan Ingram having 10-plus opportunities. I think that he's definitely in play as one of the safest tight end plays on a weekly basis at 4,500 this week. That's the highest I would go. Yeah, 4,500 on a weekly basis, highest you go. Don't ever consider anybody above 4,500. If you do, you can send the head to head. JD carrying 300. Yep. I will gladly play you in head to heads for any amount if you play a tight end above 4,500. That's how strongly I feel about the pay down movement. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the vibe. It's always the vibe. Now let's get into our tournament segment. Tournament strategy, leverage stacks, long shots. Joey, take it in any direction you'd like to. Yeah, so I think this week is going to be a week where you might want to stay away from the chalk in tournaments. Like we mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, it it is pretty beneficial to fade chalky wide receivers and chalky running backs and chalky players in general in these large field tournaments. So I'm definitely going to have exposure to, you know, Mike Davis, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, etc., Aaron Jones, some of the higher owned players projected. But I think there are numerous running backs and wide receivers on this slate that have enormous ceilings that will not be owned. One of those guys for me is Miles Sanders if he's back at 6,400. I think if he's back, he'll be good to go. I know we've talked about it over the last couple of podcasts, but these star players are in the game and you know, are on the injury report. They're usually good to go. I know he's had a knee injury that he's been dealing with, which is kind of concerning, but at 6,400, you're getting like an elite level talent running back on a team where he will get pass work. He will get rushing volume. So I like Miles Sanders a lot at 6,400. He will have no ownership. James Robinson as well is in one of the nut matchups at 6,600 going into Green Bay, a team 
that is right behind the Lions in terms of fantasy points per game allowed to opposing running backs, uh, allowing 33 points on DraftKings to opposing running backs. So it's a great spot for James Robinson, and he should come in at lower ownership. So those are two running backs that I'm going to be playing a lot in tournaments this week. Yeah, I love the Robinson call. I mean, I think that Robinson is borderline cash viable, to be honest with you. We didn't mention him, but I mean, he's he's a phenomenal play. The best rookie running back in the class up to this point, no question. And as you touched on with the Miles Sanders bit there, you know, I think that consistently on a week-to-week basis, especially over the past two weeks, the biggest edge that you would have had as a tournament player was fading the concern on players coming back from injury. And I think that we get the opportunity to do that again this week with Nick Chubb. Mm. You know, if Nick Chubb comes back in, in this spot, he was just absolutely rolling before the injury. His last two full healthy games before getting injured, 29 points, 27 points on DraftKings. Now he gets a home matchup against the Texans. They're allowing the third most points per game to opposing running backs. Nick Chubb, ultra talented. Kareem Hunt did not give the Browns what they wanted when he was out. What we wanted as fantasy owners. And I think that Nick Chubb could smash this slate and he will come in at lower ownership, just like we saw Dalvin Cook come in at lower ownership, just like we saw Christian McCaffrey come in at lower ownership. Nick Chubb to me is a smash GPP play at 6,800, assuming he gets activated from IR this week. Yeah, I, I like that call a lot. And he is definitely going to be like 2% or less in tournaments uh, just because people are going to be scared to play him coming off of IR, coming off a knee injury. But this man was averaging 5.9 yards per carry, almost six yards per carry in the first four games of the season before he got hurt in that Dallas game. And if he had been healthy for the entire season, he would probably be the league leader in rushing yards yeah. uh, or a good bet to be in the top three in my opinion so I, I i actually really like that call on nick chubb this week uh, a lot for sure and you know while we're here in the running back section of this um you know i got a, a long shot running back that i want to throw out there as well and as you well know joey one of my favorite pastimes since the inception of this podcast is to just switch up guys that i hate on become my guys at some point especially if they're guys that you've liked that's that's my absolute Wait. favorite opportunity to pounce on the double switch up slash steal joey's guy play it, it's one of my favorite and i'm gonna do it right now with Uncle Len. Leonard Fournette, Mm. I think, is a phenomenal play this week at 5,500 going against the Carolina Panthers. He was always destined to overtake Rojo at one point or another, and I think when Rojo fumbled in primetime against the Giants two weeks ago, the switch officially happened. Over the past two weeks, Ronald Jones has played on 24% and 32% of snaps. Fournette has played on 73% and 66% of snaps. Fournette has seen six or more targets in three straight weeks. The Panthers are allowing the fifth most points per game to opposing running backs. I think the Bucks bounce back in this game after getting trucked by the Saints on Monday night. Bruce Arians has already said he wants to to run the ball more. Fournette will have no ownership. The running back pool is thin this week, and he's good leverage off of players in that price range. Duke Johnson, you know, one of Gibson or McKissick if they become popular. Fournette scores two touchdowns this week. Lock and load. <laughs> I, I like that call. I like the the narrative that you got going with the steal my players and <laughs> switch up type vibe. I, I like that. And Leonard Fournette will definitely be 1% or less. So that is a good long shot call. <laughs> and the guy that I am going to uh, stamp for this week, I mentioned it earlier, my guy, 
Darius Slayton. Not oh, your so, guy, my guy. So you're you're my stealing guy. my guy too. No, we're no, doing the no, double steal. No, no. We're, you're doing you're doing the the switcherooski. I'm playing Darius Slayton in every tournament lineup because at 4,800, if him and Daniel Jones can connect on one or two deep balls, this man is going for 150 and two easily now i know that the floor is extremely low with darius slayton but we don't care about floor in tournaments especially large field tournaments we care about ceiling and darius slayton i think has a 40 point ceiling uh, in any given game like i just said it's all about if daniel jones can actually connect on a deep ball with him but at 4800 i think this is the darius godius slayton week i know you have to play him in the milli i don't know if you're yep. even still doing that 100 percent, uh, i'm doing it just have uh, lost a ton of money on it so I don't talk about it. <laughs> but I, yeah. I guarantee at least one Godius lineup every single week. You can check the records. I'm 100% doing it. But yeah, Darius Slayton, 4,800. This is the time to play him in the Millie Maker. He's going to go off for 25 plus. That is my long shot player of the week. He is going to come in at what? 2%? 1%? Yeah. Hey, look. Don't got to tell me about playing Darius Slayton on DraftKings. Been doing it, I feel like, all my life, essentially. You know, so (laughs) I'm with that. I have a piece of leverage, Joey, and this this is razor thin. And this is also, you know, not set in stone because it's another player coming off of injury. But, you know, as you can tell, I don't give a shit about injury. And this has been (laughs) my boy all year. Going back to the best ball days. Alan Lazard. And hear me out. He, He was practicing but they didn't activate him last week. He he may or may not have been good to go for the 49ers Thursday night football game, but you know how the Packers are. They like to hold players back, which I think is good for them. If Lazard is activated off IR this week, I think nobody plays him at 4K, but he has an amazing matchup and he is prime leverage off of two of the players who are going to be the highest owned players on the slate. He's leverage off of Devontae Adams. He's leverage off of Aaron Jones. And, you know, some people, some real sick fish out there, are going to think that Marquez Valdez-Scantling is back after, you know, he had four targets and caught two touchdowns against the 49ers in primetime. No. You know, the Packers don't like this man. Aaron Rodgers does not like this man, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And Alan Lazard would have already taken him off the field entirely had he not gotten hurt. We saw him break out in week three prior to his injury, had 146 yards and a touchdown on six receptions. I think that the Packers want Lazard to be the number two, and I think that he will be as soon as he is activated. 4K, ultimate leverage, Ellen Lazard. Hey, I mean, if you want to play a bona fide scrub, go ahead. A bona fide scrub? The listener, if, if you're a listener of the DFS Dose, an avid listener, you would have heard me absolutely dog this man in the offseason, on our offseason pods, talking about best ball. Nothing has changed. This man is a scrub. I don't care what anybody says. He is a role player at best, and I know he, he did have some good games. I'll give him that. He did have some good games to start the year, but, you know, I, I think he's just a scrub, so I'm not playing him. Great analysis from, from me. Wow. Well, the, you know, the- you, I guess you won't be winning the Millie this week, but there's always week 11. With Lazard and Darius Slayton? That's a stone lock. I'm putting it in my lineup right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. But, yeah, I just want to mention one more thing. I think that there are plenty of viable stacks in tournaments this week. I mean, we touched on it. Seattle, Rams, great stacks. Buffalo, Arizona, great stacks. Green Bay, I think that people are going to play Adams. 
people are going to play Aaron Jones, but nobody's going to play Aaron Rodgers at 7,900. And this is a great spot for Rodgers, uh, should come in at 5% or less. And we know that Rodgers does have spike weeks in his range of outcomes. And he does have roughly a 40 point ceiling, just as Kyler Murray does. And you'll get him for a, you know, a 10th of the ownership. So that is good leverage on the field by going to Rodgers in tournaments. So I, I like that a lot. And then I mentioned it earlier. I mentioned it in my video, but I really like the Eagles stack this week on the road against the Giants. I think this is just a good spot for the Eagles and they have a lot of favorable prices. And then the Bucks stack as well. All of their wide receivers are priced down. Tom Brady is only 6,300, won't have any ownership and it should be a very good game environment uh, going into Carolina. Should be a high scoring game. So I don't mind a buck stack either this week. Yeah, I agree. I like stacking that game final note that i've got here for the tournament section is something we have to discuss and i think that's like how to get leverage off of mike davis and it's to play panthers wide receivers right Mm -hmm. and i think that all three are potentially viable my favorite would be robbie anderson because of his price and because of the lack of monster games in his game log i think he'll be the least owned at 6100 and i think that his ceiling is the highest as well so robbie anderson to me is a phenomenal play you know if these wide receivers are hitting their ceilings they're probably getting some touchdowns which takes touchdowns away from mike davis so it's good leverage off of a player who's going to be the highest owned on the slate dj morris price is good Curtis Samuel's really been coming on over the last couple of weeks, 17 or more points in the last three, coming off a 30-point game last week. He's getting involved in all aspects, so I think that you could you know, play any of these guys. And I think that they're all sharp plays, all sharp leverage off of Mike Davis. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I think, I think I'm most intrigued by Curtis Samuel at 4,900. I mean, all three of them are going to be low owned. Well, maybe not DJ Moore, but I think Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel will come in at lower ownership. And like you said, Curtis Samuel has been coming on recently, uh, scoring 17 plus points in three straight games. And he had a 29 point game against Kansas City last week. So, I mean, it's always tough playing a wide receiver who's coming off, you know, a 30-point game, but they're involving Curtis Samuel in the offense more. They're giving him more targets. They're giving him attempts on the ground. We could see him have more attempts with Christian McCaffrey out. So, I I like Curtis Samuel a lot at 4,900. Yeah, if you look at Samuel's game log on DraftKings, he's like an inverse running back where he's getting nine targets, five targets, six targets, three attempts, three attempts, four attempts. You know, he's he's like the opposite. He's a wide receiver who's getting a decent amount of targets and a little bit of rushing work. So 4,900, sort of a Swiss Army Knife type player. I like him in this spot. That's all I've got for tournaments. You got anything else? No, I think we covered a, a good amount on tournaments and we're all going to sail to the money this week. We were supposed to last week. Yeah. Didn't really happen, mm-hmm. but we got the flop lag coming for us this week. That, that's that's fat. And one way that we're going to be sailing is with our best bets of the week. Let's close out the show, as we always do, with some sports betting takes. Joey, you get to go first here because you are the most successful between the two of us, batting at 72.7%. I respect it. What do you got for the people this week? Yeah, I mean, 70-plus percent is an insane rate, and I know I only give out one pick every week, but I think only betting on one game is probably the right strategy in the long run. But I know it's hard to only bet on one game if you're a degenerate like myself. But I think I'm going to, you know, just keep on hammering 
the Seahawks over. Give me over 55 and a half in the Seahawks Rams game. Every Seahawks game has gone over 55 besides two games that they've played. In those two games, they scored 54 and 53. So I think this game has a very high chance of going over the total of 55 and a half. So I like that bet a lot. Give me that all day, every day. No cap. Plus, throw out another pick. I know this is going to be your pick too. Seahawks, underdog, money line. So I give two out this week. Seahawks, underdog, money line. Seahawks, over, book it, sale to the money. Yeah, as is tradition, we've done this twice already and we smashed both other times. We will double down on the underdog, so I'll take Triple that Triple down. Well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Seahawks, money line. Getting them as an underdog to the Rams, you're you're telling me Russell Wilson isn't favored against Jared Goff. That's easy money. So that that's my favorite bet of the week straight up. I'm also going to take the Seattle over, but I'm going to take it not on the game, but on their implied team total of the week. Their team total right now is sitting at 26.75. They have gone over that in every single game they've played this you know this year (laughs) i guess they're getting some respect on the rams defense but you know i'm not fading russell wilson there's no shot that they lose two games in a row he's playing too well so seattle will score 27 points or more and as is customary for myself i'm gonna just shoot a few more out there man (laughs) I, i i need to get on a hot streak get my percentage back up so two more that i like this week texans plus three um, I know the Browns are coming off of a bye and they're at home, but Baker Mayfield is all COVIDy right now. Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback. I'm getting three points. I like the Texans to go into Cleveland and smash them this week. And finally, Washington plus three and a half. I think that without Kenny Galladay going into the dome, that defense is going to ravage the Lions offensive line. You know, Stafford had to exit the game last week. He is probably fine. He'll probably be there, but he's going to get eaten alive by the Washington defense. Washington plus three and a half. Book it. I like it. Four bets for the people. Five total. Uh, So, you know, we're going to be selling to the money this week in the sports betting department. Absolutely. But that's going to be it for us this week. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can support the podcast by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. You can also help us out by subscribing to the YouTube channel. We have new videos damn near every day. And finally, join the Discord channel. Link will be in the show notes. Happy to open that up to the people. You can follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. Alright guys, thank you for listening. We will be back on Monday to recap the entire Week 10 slate. We'll talk to you then. Let's make some strong plays and sail to the money.